for a single soul. Reaching a further and stepping in closer. Hello. Well, it's Tuesday. It's not quite hump day yet. It's not Wednesday, it's Tuesday. So we still have a good time to focus on areas that we need to accomplish during this week. And I pray that one of the accomplishments has been you've been able to spend time with the Lord in a continual way. The dinner He's invited you to. Now, I want to share with you a challenge that I had in my ministry when I would be doing marriage counseling. I would be talking with young couples and encouraging them along in their uh, new life together. There was one couple that I came across that I had done the premarital counseling. I had spoken to them about all of the uh, passages in Scripture about what a marriage is that, a, that should go on. And in our discussion, what I found out was this couple, whenever there was any little bit of a, a strife or a, a, a discussion going on, they would each leave the home and go back to their parents' house. And their parents, of course, as parents need to do, is think that their child is the best child and all they're the good thing and everything. But that didn't help what the marriage was about. They, they didn't leave their mother and father and cling to one another. That was the admonition. That's what scripture calls a married couple to do is they come together. They work things out rather than going back to the old place. You know, the comfortable place. The place where I know I'll be the right one in the discussion rather than working it out as a couple, dealing with it. For a marriage, that's what happens. Marriage, that cleaving to one another, you know, leaving and cleaving. That cleaving is like a blacksmith that he would take and he would take two pieces of metal. And this is back in the days before forges and pouring and everything. It was a blacksmith. Two pieces of metal, heat them up, put them on top of one another, and then pound on them. And with that pounding, that molecules would bond together. Without the heat, without the pounding, there would be no bonding together. And so in a marriage, a man and a woman need to bond together. They had lost that in their marriages. I encourage them. Let's hear God's word today and see what it is the cost of our discipleship to Him, the relationship we have with Him. Let's see what his words to us today. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 35. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. 
Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation, while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, over the last couple of days, we've seen Jesus really address the shortcomings of the Pharisees, the shortcomings of uh, their way of life, that they were all caught up in rules and regulations. What, what we find here in this portion now, as Jesus has a group of followers with them on the road as they have come to this meal, as they have seen Jesus uh, interacting with these Pharisees, now Jesus turns from addressing the Pharisees to addressing those who are following him. And he says, a large crowd were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Oh, wait a second. Well, it's okay when he's judging those Pharisees, pointing out their shortcomings, but he's now looking at me. He's now challenging the way I follow him. It's quite a statement that I need to hate my mother and father, my wife and children. What a statement. In ways that he is my Lord, he has to be above all of them. You know, I was speaking about marriage earlier. The idea in a marriage for myself as I was uh, considering how my wife and I worked things out, my first priority, my number one priority is not to my children. My number one priority is, uh, is not to my mom and dad. My number one priority is not to my wife. But my number one priority is to God to the Lord and Savior of my life. That's my number one priority. When I walk in a clear way of following Him, all those other things, they will be less than that number one priority, but they will have a place, but they will not be the number one priority. The issue of hating them, that always bothered me. It's a struggle to see how can I hate my mother and father. It's a comparative issue. It's a thing, as the love I have for the Lord, that relationship I have with my family needs to be much less than 
it may even be at a point of hating. It's not calling me to hate them, but it's a, the relationship of the discipleship to Him. In relationship to all other people, has to be as if I don't care about them. Because whenever a question comes up, do I run home to my mom and dad for support? Or do I run to the Lord? Do you remember the couple I shared with you about the counseling? They went to the mom and dad rather than to the Lord. If they each had had Him as their priority, they would have sought His answers. They would have sought Him for their security. Who is it that you seek in your Christ journey, in your Christian walk? Who is it you look to? Do you look to your pastor? I'd say not. He's a good advisor. He's one who's good to counsel with. But who needs to be number one? The Lord Jesus Christ. Number one above all others. Do I listen to the TV? Do I listen to the, the talking heads that tell me, oh, the way we should act towards one another is this or that. You need to hate this and love that. No. I need to go to the, my Heavenly Father and find in Him the answers of how I live my life. That's a challenge for you today. Do you put Him above all else? Above family? Above advisors? Above counselors? Above the cultural norms that we have around us. He's the number one. It goes on here. It, it talks about uh, the idea of that in the same way, verse 33, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you, have, you cannot be my disciple. There it is. That's the bottom line. Are we going to be his disciple? Are we going to grow in him? You may be the same person you were 10 years ago because you've not grown in him. If I challenge you today to for this next year, for the remainder of 2022, to put him as the priority in your Christian walk, that all other things come underneath his uh, leadership. I wonder what will happen in your life. Will there be a peace and a joy that you have not known before because you're following him rather than the crowd? I pray that you would see the cost of your discipleship to really grow and, and learn from him is giving up all those other relationships and seeking his will. I pray God's hand be upon you today. The final portion of our uh, lesson today, in verse 34, really is a challenge. You're familiar that the reason people used to uh, salt meat was that they didn't have the refrigeration to uh, keep it good. They couldn't freeze it, so they took the moisture out of it. They uh, would have a piece of meat 
and they would salt it and it would draw the moisture out where all the bacteria and other things would just permeate. And if they didn't, that piece of meat would become rotten. It would become rancid. But they, they were salting that meat. And Jesus uses this idea about what is the salt. In verse 34 it says, salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? When Jesus told us we are the light of the world, we are also the salt of the world. That idea of preserving what is good. Those things that could turn rotten, we're to be able to keep it good and preserve it. To speak up and, and truly have the goodness maintained in it. And the challenge here is for you and I, if we are no longer preserving what is good in our home, in our workplace, in our friendships, then we are no longer preservative. We're no longer acting in our Christian walk. I pray today that you would be that salt that would preserve what is still good in your culture near you. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak into our lives in ways that we can grow. And the things you say to us, your word, your counsel, your Holy Spirit's comfort, they're what will truly lift us up and mature us, change us, transform us into a person that represents Christ in a strong way. Lord, may we be those who work to preserve the good around us. May we be a a messenger, one who is an example for all to see. Father, strengthen us and guide us this coming week. In your precious name, amen. Sing your soul, let you know, world, oh, and the world always stepping in closer. See,